Well, they missed the point, didn't they? The point was they invented the airplane. They invented flying. You know, did they need to be bicycle mechanics? Well, probably that helped them in their uh, ascension to being airplane inventors. But was that the point? That wasn't the point. The point that Christ came to earth and, and was a babe in the manger had to happen. But was that the point? No, without that, there would be no resurrection, but that was just the beginning. What if Christ had determined at some point in His life that this world just wasn't worth it and He was going to return back to heaven? Because God could do that. But there was an eternal purpose and He wasn't going to avoid it. Because He had to fulfill those prophecies. So He had to come, He had to live. A perfect life, and he did that, but was that the point? Oh, it had to happen. We're not taking anything away from our Lord. He did what no man ever did, ever will do, but that wasn't the point. We don't want to miss the point. He died and was placed on a cross, but was he the only person who was ever murdered or put to death in that fashion? No, not at all. In fact, was he not hung in between two other men at that same point? who died in that same way. Oh, that had to happen. But that's not the point, is it? The point is that he was taken down, he was laid in a tomb. Now, he wasn't the only person ever laid in a tomb. And he came out of that tomb, though. Now, he wasn't the only person who ever was raised from the dead, was he? Christ raised at least three people from the dead in his life that we have recorded for us. Maybe more, I don't know. We know other men of God had raised people from the dead, but those other people who had been raised from the dead, they died again. Only Jesus didn't die again, so it was His resurrection. That is actually the point, isn't it? Without all of those other things, you wouldn't have the resurrection, but the resurrection is the point. We want to talk about the resurrection. But before we can talk about the resurrection, we really need to talk a little bit about death, don't we? Now death is something that that none of us like to speak about. There are a few subjects that alarm us to the point that death will alarm us. We don't like to talk about losing a loved one. We certainly do not like to talk about our own physical mortality in this life. We don't look forward to leaving this world, though academically we understand that once we leave this world and we go on to our reward, having been found faithful, we wouldn't swap with anyone left behind. But we don't know about those things in a personal way. And so it's a little bit scary to us, and it ought to be, because no one that we know has ever made that journey that we can still talk to. You know there are people who, who actually refuse to participate in their own funeral arrangements while alive in this world. They just simply cannot talk about it. And that's okay. That's okay. But there are people who won't participate in it in any way. There are people who will not even put a will together for their final wishes and, and how they want their properties allocated and things of that nature. And that's okay also. That's all right. Those things are true because the living does not like to dwell on the subject of death. But, 
the Bible talks a whole lot about it. The Bible speaks about death a lot. The Bible speaks about death and hell and money. Probably in the New Testament, or at least Christ's teachings in the New Testament more than any other subjects in the New Testament. Paul warned us about spiritual death. And we have to talk about death if we're going to talk about the resurrection. He warned us that spiritual death was the result of not obeying God, for the wages of sin is death. We earn wages. We do things that earn us death. But fortunately, he didn't stop with that statement. He continued that statement. He said, there's an answer for sin, and it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the wages of sin is death, but... He goes on to say, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans 6, 23. Now this is what happens if you earn death, spiritual death. He says, but I've got good news. And he told those in Ephesus about the eternal purpose of God that was realized through Christ. God understands our anxiousness, doesn't He, about death. He understands our... Uh, desire to live in this world. After all, He gave us a wonderful place to live. Hasn't it been just marvelous the last couple of days? So beautiful. The sun has been out. It makes us feel good. We're coming out of a, a, a out of a time of winter. We're coming into a, a time of spring when everything just jumps back to life. It makes us feel good. We ought to enjoy living in this world. Now we We can't love this world in the sense that Demas loved it, but we ought to enjoy living in this world. He understands our anxiousness about leaving this world. But here's the thing. He also understands this battle in which we are engaged. We're engaged in a battle against sin, and and we must fight that battle. He understands at times we will fail, but it, that ought to decrease and decrease and decrease as time goes along. He understands that. And because of that, He still offers us the hope of eternal life through what means? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ came out of the grave and that means that we can come out of the grave. And in our passage read for us, he talks about all those witnesses that saw Jesus after He had come out of the grave, proving that it is a fact. And it's the resurrection of Jesus that gives meaning to life. It is the resurrection of Jesus that gives meaning to the world, and particularly it gives meaning to those people who will look at His sacrifice. And understand that it is the sacrifice of Jesus that gives meaning to this life. The sacrifice. We have to understand that. There's a problem though. Not a problem with the sacrifice. A problem with accepting the message. Not everyone will accept that Jesus did what He said He did. Even those who would believe it may not accept and do what He's asked a vast majority of people in the world are going to reject Christ. A vast majority of everyone who's ever lived in the last 2,000 years has rejected Christ. A vast majority of everyone who has ever lived has rejected God during the period of time of whichever they lived. 
that's just the way it is. When His resurrection is rejected, though, we have to understand His sacrifice is rejected. His sacrifice is what brought about His resurrection. It was the vehicle. That's why He was the only one who could do it. It was because of His miraculous birth. It was because of His sinlessly perfect life. It was because He gave Himself in sacrifice that made His resurrection different from everyone else's. See, we don't want to miss the point, but we have to understand it took all of those things. His resurrection brought things to us. Many in Corinth, after having accepted the resurrection of Jesus Christ, turned their backs on Him. That's why Paul wrote the letter that we have, 1 Corinthians. But the same thing had happened to the Jewish Christians. They had gone into uh, the Christian faith. They had given up the old law. They had given up the uh, uh, Judaism because it was a defunct law. It couldn't get you where you wanted to go. It was the vehicle that ushered in Christianity. But once having gained that salvation, they decided they wanted to go back. They wanted to return. And because of that, the writer of Hebrews made a statement to them. Hebrews 10.29, he said, Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. When we reject the resurrection, when we reject the sacrifice, we reject the blood of Jesus. That's what he's talking about, right? Having trodden underfoot. How many people have walked right, right out of a, a, a gathering house where the gospel was preached and stomped the blood of Jesus all the way out to the parking lot? Having understood what they needed to do to be a Christian, though not doing it. That's a rejection. Though, though we may not in the front of our minds say, I reject God, I don't believe anything about God, I hate God, I hate Christ, I don't want to have anything to do with either one of them, that, that's, not that's not what that means. That doesn't mean that's our mindset, but that is, in essence, what we're doing. We're one or the other. We're not in the middle. There is no middle ground. When we reject the resurrection, we reject the blood of Jesus. But it's His sacrifice that brings meaning to life. We need to understand that. Is it possible to reject the resurrection without leaving the church physically? Or completely, altogether? Well, sure it is. Sure it is. We might not, be any, might not be engaged in the things in which we ought to be engaged with the works of the church. We might not be living our lives like we ought to be living our lives and we are rejecting that sacrifice and we just simply can't do that or we will lose our eternal souls. We need to hear more of that, don't we? We need to speak more about that. We need to do it in love, but it needs to be spoken. We cannot reject His sacrifice. Attending the worship assembly is simply not fulfilling the Great Commission. We have to do more. Most of the world will reject the sacrifice of Jesus, but as Christians, we must rely upon it. We have to take it. We have to make it a part of our lives. Paul told the Romans that Baptism was a figurative 
way that we experience the death of Jesus. Jesus died and He came out of the grave. Those who obey the gospel and submit to baptism, they die to the world of sin and to that old person who they no longer want to be. They come up out of that water to be a new creature. Notice what Paul said, Romans 6 verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. And it is in that resurrection from the grave of baptism wherein we gain our life. Jesus, His dead body, His inanimate body, came back to life when His Spirit entered into it. The Spirit that that had been gone from it for three days had been in paradise. And then He walked out of that tomb. When we come out of our grave of baptism, we now have new life. Notice what He said in verse 4. Therefore, because we experienced that death, therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Our new life is the result of that death. But it isn't the death that's the main point, though, really, is it? It's the resurrection. It's the resurrection. We have to become something new, and you only become something new when you're resurrected. See, that's what we want to do. We don't want to miss that. It's a result of having been resurrected from the grave of baptism. If we do not become obedient to the plan of salvation, we're not going to inherit the life that He offers to us. He wants us to have it, and we need it. In a corresponding thought, Peter said this, The like figure, when to even baptism, doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto Him. Peter said we were subject to Him, didn't he? But Christ already told us that. Matthew 28, verse 18, He said, All power or authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth. So we're subject to Him. We're obligated to Him. And and since He is in the seat of authority, we are obligated to be obedient to His commandments. If we're going to have access or we're going to benefit from His resurrection, we have to have faith. We have to have a faith that says we believe what He said. Though I can't see it, though I can't touch Him, though I can't look into heaven, we have to have a faith that He is the very Son of God, the Savior of the world, and I have to act accordingly. That's why Gabriel appeared to Joseph and told him about Mary going to have this son, this prophesied son the very, the only begotten Son of God. And he said, you're going to name Him Jesus. Why? For He shall save His people from their sins. But where do we have to begin? With that faith in Him that He is who He said He was. We have to be willing to turn away and follow Him. That's difficult, isn't it? Matthew 16, 24. We have to deny ourselves. We have to take up our crosses. And we have to follow Him. Part of that plan is making the good confession that we acknowledge that. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Then submitting to baptism 
in accessing that salvation that Jesus said was there. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. The resurrection of Jesus Christ gives meaning to His sacrifice. It tells us something. It tells us how important it was. It tells us how real it was. That's not all it tells us. It gives meaning to the sacrifice. Without the sacrifice, there wouldn't be a resurrection. That's the point, isn't it? The resurrection gives meaning also to our salvation. To our salvation. How do I know I can have salvation? Because Jesus came out of the grave. How do I know that if I'm obedient, that God will do what He said He would do because Jesus came out of the grave? How do I know that if I follow the scheme of redemption and I do the things that God has asked me to do, it's not just some book written by men, how do I know all those things will happen the way it says it will happen? Because Jesus came out of the grave. And we have witness testimony that says that He did. And that gives meaning to my salvation. Without His sacrifice... You know what life means to us? It means we're fear. We will live in fear. We will be fearful of this physical death. And we will certainly be fearful of eternal death. Paul was very straightforward when he addressed that notion. He said this, 1 Corinthians fifteen sixteen, For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised? And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain ye are yet in your sins, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Well, I don't have salvation. If Christ didn't come up out of the grave, if He didn't resurrect Himself by the power of God, my salvation doesn't mean anything. In fact, it's not even existent. But because He did those things, He gives meaning to my salvation. If there is no resurrection, our faith, our lives, and our hopes, Paul says they're misplaced. Wouldn't that be terrible? If there's no resurrection, we face death just like the rest of the world. The rest of the world faces death without hope, without confidence, and without assurance. But because our salvation has meaning, we face death with hope, with confidence, and with assurance because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He came out of the tomb and so can we and we will when He comes. Now, we have to ask ourselves a question. Am I going to come out a resurrection to Christ or am I going to come out a resurrection to damnation? Because we're going to be resurrected. I have to decide where I'm going. That's why we beg people to follow Him. Paul said... For if we've been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. If we do not experience death in this figurative way like Christ did, contacting His blood in the water, we're not going to be resurrected to life. That's why we plead with the world. There's only one way that we end the fear in this life. That's by taking hold of this salvation that He's offered. Then we don't have to fear. There's something else we have to do if we're going to have meaning to our sacrifice. 
we must never forget what that sacrifice was. That's why every first day of the week we set a few moments aside, don't we? And we reflect on His sacrifice. You know, Paul always credited God with His salvation. He always credited His salvation with the grace of God accessed through faith. He never took any credit for Himself. He said, for, excuse me, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. He told the Galatians, He says, we're all the children of God by faith. How? For as many of us as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's how we do it. But we can't forget that sacrifice, right? We gather around His table, we take the emblems, we concentrate on what they represent. The bread, His his beaten body, His tortured body, His, His great love and allowing that to happen. I can't imagine that. I don't understand it. But I know He did it because of the faith that we have. We drink that juice that represents that blood that was shed for Him beginning in the in the garden with the bloody sweat, continuing on through the scourging and the crown of thorns and, and the, the nails that would pierce the hands and the feet and the, the spear that would go up into the side releasing the water and the blood. We need that. It washes away our sins. The first century Christians always observed that memorial every first day of the week. Why? Because they didn't want to forget. They didn't want to forget it was a commandment. It was, it was so important that the founding members of the church of Christ and all faithful ones since them for 2,000 years have continued steadfastly in that apostle's doctrine and breaking of bread. And that's why we do it. We remember His death and, and His resurrection because it's important to never forget it. In fact, it is crucial to our salvation, that we do not forget it. Christ's resurrection, it gives meaning to His sacrifice. It gives meaning to our salvation. And finally, our last point is it gives meaning to the scheme of redemption because there is a biblical pattern that we must follow. There is a biblical pattern and Christ's resurrection is the basis for our faith. When we accept the gospel, what's the basis on which we accept it? The life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's what Paul said. He said, I'm not going to preach anything but the gospel. The life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can't have one without the other. You can't have the resurrection without the life. You can't have the resurrection without the death. But what's the point? Resurrection. He did what He said He would do, and then He offers, because of that, salvation to us. All who have dedicated their lives to Christ did it based on the fact He came out of the grave. And that we will too. That there is something after this life. Let's listen again to the words of Paul. 1 Corinthians 15 beginning with verse 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, when we die, and when this mortal shall have put on immortality, Then shall we be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. 
But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The resurrection is our basis for what we believe, and we are bound by it. We're bound by it. We can't wander from the central theme of the gospel of Christ. We can't wander off of the the pathway in the universities that claim to be Christian universities throughout our nation. At least you have those who've outsmarted themselves, these doctors who have all these letters behind their names, and they want to talk about no virgin birth. They want to talk about Christ was just a historical man. Oh, but He was a good man. He may have even been a prophet of God. That's not the central theme. That's not our basis. That's not what we're bound to. That's ridiculous, isn't it? We're bound to the truth. If we lose confidence in Christ, not much else matters in this life. And it certainly will not matter in the next. Even if we do not forsake Christ completely, we still forsake Him if we lose confidence. We, when we do what we do, we have to do it according to our faith. Now, Paul used a scruple as an example to identify that. He said, talking about eating meat, if you don't eat in faith, then you've sinned, meaning if you violate your conscience, you've sinned. Nothing wrong with in and of itself. That's just the illustration, but there's an application also. We see that in Romans 14, 23. The application is without our confidence in Christ, it doesn't matter what we do, what kind of religious exercise we perform, what good deeds we do in the community, what we do for one another, it does not matter. They are simply empty actions. If we lose confidence in Christ, we cannot do that. But when we hold firm, we can say with confidence, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Let each of us ask ourselves today, can I with confidence say that I will be with Jesus in the resurrection. Because I need to have that confidence. The truth is that one day, if time permits, we all will die. Now we're either going to die physically before the Lord comes or we will die when He comes because there will be a separation of body and spirit. And when that happens, And I'm resurrected on the last day. Will I be resurrected to life? Or will I be resurrected to death? Because of Christ's resurrection, the writer of Hebrews made this statement. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, we were born flesh and blood, He Himself, talking of Jesus, likewise shared in the same, that through death He might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. See, fear is one thing we don't have to worry about because of the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus gives meaning 
to His sacrifice. It gives meaning to our salvation and it gives meaning to the scheme of redemption, the pattern by which we access the grace of God. If you've not yet experienced the redemption found in Jesus, don't leave here today without doing that, whether through initial obedience of of how we spoke of it, the pattern that God put forth, or through the second law of pardon, through repentance and confession of sin in your life. If you need to answer this invitation, do that as we stand and as we sing.